Future CEOs, Episode 3. So you want to be a CEO? Sure, go ahead, read your ABCs of Managing book. Or if you really want to be a CEO, then keep on listening to this Future CEOs podcast with your host, Gareth Armstrong, as he gets you up close and personal with real-world CEOs thought leaders, and industry experts to learn from their experiences and the insight and wisdom they've gained while leading in these challenging and ever-changing times. Are you ready? Then let's do this. Hi, and welcome to Future CEOs. Today, I'm going to be speaking to Barbara Mellinson. She's the founder and CEO of Obami, a social learning platform being used by hundreds of schools across Africa, Europe, and the United States. Obami was recognized as one of the top 10 most innovative technologies in the world in 2011 by NetExplo, UNESCO and Partners, and was identified as one of the top 20 startups in Africa by Forbes a year later. In the past four years, Barbara has presented her views on social media, social learning and social entrepreneurship across the globe. In 2010, she took part in Old Mutual's Do Great Things campaign and was also identified as one of the Mail and Guardian's top 200 young people to take to lunch. Barbara has been branded as an IT hero and one of Cape Town's top 10 women in business by the Cape IT Initiative. She has contributed to the UNESCO Courier as one of 21 young people changing the world and is recognized as one of the top entrepreneurs and African women in the business by the likes of CNN, Forbes, IT Web Africa and the Financial Mail. Barbara is also the only African sitting on the advisory board of Mobile World Capital, a global initiative driven by the City of Barcelona and the GSMA. She has pulled herself away from a very busy open plan office to spend some time talking to us, and we're so pleased to have this time with her. Barbara, thank you for joining us here on Future CEOs. It's great to have you. Thanks so much, Gareth. It's great to be here, and yeah, really excited that I could be part of this. Thanks for the invitation to join. So, you've been catching some headlines around the world, in fact. Tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about what you're doing. Um, yeah, so I'm essentially um, a business owner, a, a founder, a CEO, call it what you like, um, of a company called Obami. And essentially, Obami is a social learning platform. We take social networking tools and combine it with a virtual learning environment so that schools, businesses, universities, colleges, you name it, can actually connect digitally, share resources, communicate and collaborate with one another, set and undertake assignments. And we've, we've got about 400 organizations who've signed up to our platform, making use of it in various ways, um, you know, from seven-year-olds all the way through to sort of 80-year-olds. Um, so we get surprised every day by, by what's happening. And, yeah, very, very cool stuff, you know, given that obviously the future is digital, it is social. Um, we're seeing more and more of this in, in other industries. So it's time for education to sort of pick that ball up as well. Um, and we're just really excited to be playing in the space right now. You're not taking away from a classroom. What you're doing is you're just adding another dimension to the classroom environment. Is that right? Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, nothing can replace face-to-face -face learning. There's, you know, there's no stronger tool than being able to sit directly with your peers, collaborate with them. But the, the whole point is that it shouldn't just end after a 45-minute lecture or a half-an-hour classroom activity. You know, things are progressing way beyond the classroom, way beyond the school walls or the lecture halls. And it just means that 
learners can learn while they're on the go through a mobile phone. They can access resource notes at any time of the night. Um, you know, you know, <laughs> when I was a student, that was definitely something that would have been quite handy to us is to be able to, to jump online um, and have access to this interactive learning experience. So, yeah, I think it's, it's certainly not there to replace those, the traditional learning. It's definitely there to help it transform from a model of teacher standing in front of classroom to one that's more collaborative, that's more ongoing, that stretches way beyond the physical boundaries that we, we are constrained by. It sounds fascinating, and I agree. When we were students, or when I was a student, I'd also would have loved to have had this added element, uh, added aspect to my learning. But we're not really here to talk about Obami. We're actually here to talk about you. <laughs> so, um, you've got a very, very interesting journey that we're going to explore. You've got um, some very interesting insights that you can share with our future CEOs community. But before we get to that, let me ask this first question. In your experience, what does it take to be a CEO? Gareth, you know, there, there's so many different types of CEOs. They come in many different shapes and sizes. And um, so it's hard to say, you know, exactly what it takes to be a CEO. The, the, the requirements are so different in different scenarios. Very so, true. you know, you've got your big blue chip companies where the CEO has really got years and years and years of experience they've come through the corporate world they've worked their way up from you know one level to the next they've they've got a huge network of colleagues that they have around them to support them and to be really sort of uh, specialized in in various aspects within the the organization now myself uh, i'm a, a founder i'm the owner of a, a startup you know so so my role as ceo even though my title might say that um, perhaps it's a little bit of a grandiose title but my title certainly isn't reflective in the same capacity like a blue chip ceo of course i have responsibilities of running the business of making sure that we're we're meeting our, our you know our, our targets and all the rest over a period i am responsible for the team all of those kind of things but not on that massive scale and i think one of the, the differences is with wo working with a small team, there's a lot more support that I have to give the team as opposed to the other way around with the CEO of a big company, they have a lot of support beneath them. So so perhaps there's a difference there. I also think, you know, as just as much as, as, as my peers support me, I'm, I'm certainly there to support them as well. I think also from, from a, a perspective of the leader versus manager, you know, like a CEO is not somebody that necessarily has to manage people on a daily basis. They're at the level where they have people around them that know the roles that they're working in. So it's more about a leadership role as opposed to a managerial role. And I think, yeah, in this day and age, being a CEO is all about being, you know, having the, the foresight to see what's coming next and, and act upon it, having that risk appetite. And that's probably something that we see across all CEOs is just this ability to, to, to have a great vision, to execute that vision and to make tough decisions um, as and when they, they turn up. So, yeah, different roles for different types of CEOs. But I think the one thing that binds them all is just the, the ability to lead based on a, a very clear vision. Thank you very much. A very nice comprehensive answer there. You touched on a lot of aspects that, well, a lot of people can relate to uh, in spite of maybe, as you say, a grandiose title. Your development journey has been very interesting. I mean, you've been all over the world. Tell us a little bit about that. Tell us how you grew up maybe and some of the early influences that shaped who you are today. 
Um, right, so I'm I'm a Joburg girl. Oh, really? Birth. Okay. Uh, I grew up in Joburg. I studied at UCT. I was very fortunate um, to have that experience. Studied business science in marketing and economics, and then I went over. It was sort of the the thing to do was to go over to the UK and to get you know this this big worldwide experience. And so so I did that, and I moved over to to the UK for five six years, and I worked in corporate, and I sort of did the whole. You know, going into big company, trying to find my place within this big company, trying to make a difference, and at the end of the day, I was just, I was just miserable. It wasn't for me. You know, corporate environments for many people are, are perfect, um, and they they provide this secure environment for people to to really work at their best and to feel uh, appreciated. But for myself, uh, that certainly wasn't something. And I've I've always just had it in myself to to want to run my own business. Um, so it was really just finding the the perfect opportunity to do that. And so that, yeah, I sort of jumped headfirst into to starting a barmy, and and that's where I am today. You asked, you know, what would what were the the influences of my previous years, and yeah, I mean, so many things. But I would say one one of the biggest ones was I had a very influential best friend when I was a teenager who used to take. You know, get me to sneak out the house and do all these risk-taking things, which I'm sure my parents, if they knew half of it, would, would have killed over. Um, and you know, obviously, we we remain best of friends to today, and and I love her so much. But but one of the things is having had her in my life, she really taught me to live on the edge, to take risks, to um, you know, not to to throw caution to the wind. Of course, there's always consequence, and you've got to be ready for that. And and sometimes when my parents found me coming home late one night, I I definitely you know got the consequence and and was grounded for the week or the month or whatever it was. But there are a lot of lessons in that, and you know, taking risks and and getting that feeling of you know, getting away with it, and that sort of led me into to where I am today. Um, you know, I'm I'm very cautious, of course. I don't just sort of throw caution to the wind, but in the same vein, I'm, you know, I know that some decisions have to be made. Some are very much risk based, and and I'm not afraid to take them if I if I think that they're the right decision. Another person that's that's really had a big influence on my life is probably my father, and that's because he. You know, he was an incredibly hardworking man, and he really placed that value within my, myself and my brothers. Um, that you know, it, it take pride in your work, do the best job you can, dedicate yourself to it, at least a portion of your life to it, and you know, you'll you'll bear the fruits of your labor. So, so yeah, I'd say the the risk taking and the the hard work were certainly down to to two of the closest people in my life. It's quite interesting how we seem to pick up lessons, um, not necessarily directly from someone, but through observation and experience. Uh, in this case, a rebellious teenage um, streak turned into risk-taking. Very nice. <laughs> well, they, they do say, actually, that um, rebellious teenagers and, and entrepreneurs, there's quite a high co a sort of correlation between the two, which I thought was an interesting read, and it sort of explained a lot about my life. Needless to say, I'm, I'm not a, as uh, as rebellious these days. I'm, I'm quite the granny these days, to be honest. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about uh, you as a young up-and-coming entrepreneur. Uh, what was the biggest mistake that you made that really, just looking back, you attribute to simple inexperience and really uh, just naivety? And, and perhaps what was the lesson learned there? Well, um, yeah, Gareth, there's so many, I can't even count them. You know, like when you when you go off and do something like this and you think when you start that it's all going to work out perfectly, you've got your business plan and here we go um, into the big bad world, you know, you, you learn pretty quickly that things aren't as easy as you might initially perceive them to be. And they're just lots of mistakes that you make. And the best thing about that is that you learn from those mistakes. So, I mean, some of them include me um, 
leaving my job too early. Uh, I, I mentioned I was in the corporate world in the London, and I had this wealth of experience that I could tap into right there, and these resources, and I could just you know learn. And it was it, it's something that I just didn't take the opportunity to really take advantage of, and instead I, I sort of took it for granted. I jumped ship quite quite quickly, and it was very touch and go in those early years. You know, uh, I don't know how I made it through, and there were many many nights where I was thinking, sure, but I've just done the wrong thing. And if I could turn back the clock, it would probably be to say, you know, like appreciate every moment. You know, get the most out of whatever situation you're in, and there will be a time when you're ready to move on. But make sure that you're ready before before you do move on. Mm. You know, some other mistakes that I made is when I started growing the business, we we. Perhaps we scaled too quickly, you know. Um, it was sort of, I think, last year or the year before, where we thought, right, we've got some revenue coming in. Let's scale up. Let's scale up. And we hadn't actually taken on board the, you know, this whole idea around, okay, you're scaling up. That brings a whole lot of other responsibilities to you. It, it does put a burden on your cash flow. So while you have to be prepared as you scale a business, you also have to manage things a bit more carefully. And 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 as I say, take those risks, but but make sure that they're calculated risks. And and one of them was that you know we we well I, I hired very quickly I thought right I've got to scale up I've got to get the right team I've got to grow we've got to suit this demand and you know in some instances we just we hired the first person we could get our hands on just to try and fill a position that we thought we needed and that was you know some of the most expensive mistakes I've done in my in my career at Abami is is taking on people too quickly because you know here in South Africa we're very lucky to have these these incredibly strong employment um, and labor laws, but as an employer, you know that that can actually kick you in the the stomach on the back of it if you if you've made a mistake in hiring the wrong person. So, you know, always always take your time, hire slowly, make sure it's the right fit for the company for the job, because hiring is something that if you get it right, that person will be great. If you get it wrong, you know, it's very hard to get rid of the person, and and they can really be quite a uh, assault in your company, you know, quite assault to a wound. So um, take your time, make sure you've got the right, surround yourself by the right people. It's, it's really worth that time investment. Mm. Oh, very interesting. Thank you for sharing. So uh, you've read some books, you've been some places, but let's talk about books. What have you not found that leadership or management books teach or have taught you about being a CEO or even being an entrepreneur? You know, one of the things that I think there's so many things about leadership and management and execution and all of these things and strategy. But um, one of the things which you totally take for granted when you're in a position of, of owning or running your own business or, or being the leader within that business is it, it is quite a huge responsibility and, and it takes a toll on, on other aspects of your life. So things like your your health or your family or your social circles, you know, they're, they're not that many books um, within the CEO domain or the leadership domain that actually focus on making sure that that particular aspect is paid attention to. Because, you know, if you're getting the balance right to start off with, the rest of the stuff almost falls into place. You've got to have the right mind, the right body, the right soul, you know, to, to really throw yourself into that. And that, that really comes through through making sure that you, you know, it's almost impossible to, um, but making sure that you're spending time with loved ones, that you're taking the, the necessary time off, that you're looking after your health, doing exercise, eating well, just generally living a good life because by doing that, you're able to to absorb the pressures that come with, with quite a high demand demand role, you know. So yeah, I, I, obviously I can go and read these these amazing yoga books and um, and healthy nutrition books, but I think from a from a, a leadership perspective within business, there hasn't actually been that much that that I've come across. 
What you're saying is interesting because we had a discussion on our radio show just the other day where the the guest who is another CEO, she said to us, look, we must be very careful about words like balance and even the word perfection uh, because really those words can uh, throw us off and, and try and, what's the right term, uh, lead us to try and focus on the wrong things. We're always trying to focus on this balance that we're trying to, or this balancing act where as she introduced in the word harmony and mm. it's and really why she said that was that all the, all of these things flow into one another it's an important thing to allow them to flow and not to try and box them not to try and regiment them put them on a schedule i couldn't agree more i think you know if you if you aren't doing it in a natural way it just becomes more pressure to you to try and do them so that just builds on the pressure that you're already experiencing in a high pressure job so it, I, I completely agree having a harmony where something is natural you're, you're seeing your friends because it's part of your life you're you're exercising because it's worked into your daily routine it doesn't make you see it as this extra chore that's just going to weigh on the stress so yeah I certainly see it as that um, uh, and as long as it's not this focus that takes your your attention away from the, the job at hand but it's rather there to support your job then then yeah it's definitely more of a harmonious thing than than trying to find the perfect balance um which sometimes is, is just an impossible quest you were a startup a very small startup uh, in fact and uh, then you grew you began to expand what has been one of your biggest light bulb or aha moments as you have expanded and as you really have taken on this responsibility of being a CEO of a growing organization? Yeah, I try to do everything myself. Obviously, when you start your own business, you just you want to control everything. You want to be the one that that does it all because you want to have that overseeing of, of everything that, that gets shipped out the door. You want to, you have to have your stamp of approval because at the end of the day, you're almost synonymous with, with the business that you start. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's your baby. Exactly. But as you grow, it's, it's quite impossible to keep that up. You know, it's, there's just not that many days in, uh, days in the week, hours in the day that you can actually retain a grasp on every single little minute thing. And it, it just does. It just gets completely stressful. Um, and I think that, that that was one of the biggest things was actually just realizing that I can trust people enough and give them the responsibility themselves. They can go off and do it, and it can take a lot of weight off my shoulders. And by doing that, it formulates you know a greater relationship with them. And, and that just sort of fulfills this ongoing cycle where the more you trust in your employees – the, the better and more confident they feel about their jobs, the more that they can take on, and so on and so mm. on. So I think for me, you know, it, it really, it sounds so simple now with hindsight, and everything does with hindsight, of course, but sitting here and thinking that was something that I just wish I'd sort of done a little bit earlier on, and, you know, I would have, would have just been able to pass or delegate things as, as now I'm a, a brilliant delegator. <laughs> I really am. But, but back in the day, you just sort of wanted to keep everything close to heart. So, so yeah, that's, that's definitely something that was an aha moment, a light bulb moment, as you say. All right. Well, thank you uh, again for another great answer. You really are, are giving us some good stuff today. <laughs> um, please finish the sentence. As a CEO, my highest priority every day is to ensure... And finish the sentence, please, and then elaborate a little bit, please. Okay, so as a CEO, my highest priority every day is to um, 
I suppose lead by example, because that can cover a whole lot of things. So, yeah, lead by example. And I mean it by, you know, have fun in the workplace, but also show that you're working hard. You know, give the dedicated time that the job needs, the passion that the job needs. One of the, the biggest things that I like to do or not like to do, but I think is important to do is to, to get my hands dirty. You know, even though I'm sort of meant to be seen as leading the company, I'm not too big for my boots to take out the trash or to, you know, pour somebody a cup of coffee. Like that that just shows that I'm on the same level as my peers, as my colleagues. Um, and, I, you know, it shows that I'm, I'm leading by example. I want them to do the same and have that mutual respect. And, yeah, I think that, that leading by example is something that can cover every aspect of our, of our business. And it's not only me that does that. You know, everyone within our, within our organization does the same, or at least I hope for them to do the same. Yeah. Really what you're talking about is impacting your company culture. Yeah, you know, we want to be ourselves at the end of the day. I want people to not have to put on this facade. And by being themselves in the same vein as, you know, coming to work but but throwing themselves at it um, because they know that the peer next to them or their colleague next to them is doing the same. So I think it's it's those types of things. You know, also when it's, when it's playtime in the office, um, not that it happens often, but every so often we have a Friday afternoon ping pong or whatever it may be, darts or, you know, we just like to, to let loose a little bit. And that's when we all just, you know, muck in and have fun. And I think that everyone who does that on the same level, they're doing it with mutual respect for, for one another. So leading by example, but not just the leaders to lead. I think it's the whole team has to, has to get involved and show that, mm. that willingness. Yeah. Very nice. Barbara, what is the best advice you've ever received? There's so, there's so many. It's such a hard question. But, you know, one of the things that I don't think I would be where I am today is somebody once said to me, you know, if, if it's not scary, it's just not worth doing. And I think that I was just petrified um, back when I started a, a Barmy or was looking to start a Barmy. You know, it, it, I was naive to just sort of jump and, and, and go for something without the, the proper preparation and the, the, the real thought out plan around it. But in the same vein, even if I'd sat there and planned to the T, it still would have been scary, you're jumping into the unknown. And so, yeah, my, my th the thing that I, I heard from a very dear friend was just to say, you know, just, just go for it. If you're not scared, then, then what's the point of even giving it a, a go? You know, you've got to, you've got to have a, a certain ambition, a certain um, star to reach, whatever it may be. But I think that's something that really has, in so many aspects to today, has really pushed me to try and be better or do better or reach for something higher. Um, yeah, and as I say, even to today, that, that's what we do. What one habit do you attribute your success to? Well, Gareth, first of all, I don't think that I'm successful just yet. <laughs> I think there's a very long way to go before that. So, you know, what I would say is what's got me to where I am today and something that's only going to happen, you know, to, to get me to the point where I, where I deem myself successful is – um, and I know it's 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 not an easy shortcut, but it's it's just hard work, you know. And I don't mean hard work as in long hours every single day, although sometimes that counts. But it's hard work as in work smart, work with the the greatest desire to put out this you know amazingly high quality professional work that you're proud of. And I, that's what I mean by hard work. Like may, let it make you sweat so that it's sweat of passion, of course. But that's certainly what has got me to where I am today. And it's certainly something that if I don't keep doing what I'm doing in this hard work sort of manner and throwing myself into it, I'm not going to see that success that, I, that I'm chasing after. Barbara, what are your three pillars of, of CEO leadership? Right, Gareth. So, so the three pillars of, of CEO leadership in, in my mind, and obviously they're different for, for so many different people, but I'd say obviously the, the first one, and perhaps many 
many people agree with me, but is, is vision. And a leader or a CEO has to have vision. Um, and if they don't, it's kind of like leading an organization in the fog. Nothing's really going to come of that. So, so having vision, knowing where you are now and where you want to get is, is probably one of the primary qualities that a CEO has to have. The second, I would say, is passion, this emotion, this ability to really um, – involve themselves in every facet of whatever that organization or that work or that require, you know, whatever it requires, but, but being wholly grounded in it and um, being able to, to know all about the industry that you're working in and to, to really enjoy that part of it and, and be willing to spend more and more time in it. I think that sort of is something that bleeds onto a CEO's organization, the people that, that support them or that he or she supports. And I think the third thing really is a sense of humility, you know, just being able to to not rise above and, and take this leadership position as if it's, you know, your God's given gift. It's it's more about being in touch with, with those that you work with, with your all stakeholders. In fact, it's not only the people that you work with. It might be your, your clients, your customers, your stakeholders, um, your suppliers. But being able to, to remain humble in what you do is, is the easiest way to form great relationships, to gain respect, and I think to also create this ability to communicate better, um, at least more transparently and at least more trustworthily with your, with your network. So, yeah, I would say the, those are my three, you know, vision, passion, and, of course, um, humility. I've heard the saying that meekness is not weakness, and I think one of the big problems that many of us face is that we don't want to appear weak so we don't allow ourselves to be meek and be humble so thank you for sharing that certainly that last pillar as well yeah you know there, there's a way of being humble and 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 I, I love that saying meekness is is not weakness but it doesn't have to say that you get trampled on or that you you know you let people walk you over there's certainly still a sense of, of you know being fair being stern if it's needed but I think just being able to be on the, the level that all, all of those that you surround yourself with and not, and not placing yourself above them is something that at least, um, you know, future CEOs, certainly with the younger generation, that's what we're going to see more and more of. Speaking of future CEOs, what should our future CEOs community be studying over and above their formal or university studies? And why do you say that? Or why do you suggest what you're about to suggest? <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, Gareth, I would say, you know, because I'm obviously from, from the digital industry and, um, and my heart's really in there, I would just think that, you know, whatever field you're studying in, it's so important to acquire some sort of knowledge or understanding of the, the digital or the technical world. But really, it's the future of everything. No industry is uh, immune to, to technology, and it's something that can be a complete enabler. Um, as you grow within your market, within your industry, and everything within the future. So, you know, if it's a matter of learning how to code or learning how to design for a website or understanding how a database works, I think not only are you acquiring a, a certain skill set, but you're also acquiring the, no, the, the logic that comes with, with these skills. And I think logic is something, you know, understanding logic within systems is certainly a huge skill and a valuable skill. 
that can be used for, for leadership, that can be used for understanding and organization and how it all fits together and works within the greater scheme of things. So, you know, it's not only a, a future-proof skill to pick up and one that can go across every industry. It's, it's certainly giving you these more soft skills as well that help you to, to find a position with, within an organization and make sense of it all. Perhaps linked to that, uh, perhaps not. What book do you recommend all future CEOs should read? Yeah, so perhaps this is definitely not not as linked as it could have been, I suppose. But um, there, there are two answers I'm going to give for here. Um, the first is I am a massive fan of Seth Godin. I think that he paints such a clear picture of the world and how people fit and work within it and how success can be achieved through slight adjustments and attitude. And it really comes down to personal choice. So, yeah, I, I would obviously I advocate anything that, that he writes, that he sends out, that he speaks on, presents on. And he's just a, a marvelous thinker in today's age. The second thing I'd like to answer in that is I think that all future CEOs should, of course, read and, and, and gather and absorb as much information as possible. But I think they should also be building their own stories. They should also be building their own books, you know. Mm, very nice. So take the time to sit down, pen your thoughts. You know, it might not be published straight away, <laughs> but it's certainly something that allows you to reflect on your learnings. And through that reflection, there's sort of more more likelihood of you remembering and learning from that. So I definitely, I'd say, you know, become your own your own author, even if it's it's never published. Uh, but who knows? Maybe it is, and and in future, you know, you're New York Times best bookseller. So. <laughs> Well, we're coming to the close of our conversation, so uh, let me ask one or two more questions and then maybe a final thought or comment from you. Here's the question. If you could go back in time and give the ambitious 20-year-old future CEO you one piece of counsel, what would that be? Well, now I'm thinking of the, the one of the first questions you asked me when I said I was a rebellious teenager, so I'd probably be like, stay at home, don't sneak out. <laughs> but okay. but um, no, on a more serious note, I think... You know, one of the things that that somebody told me uh, was that life is is not this the sprint. We don't have to do everything, you know, as as soon as we can. It's 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 more like a marathon where we can, you know, take time to smell the roses as we go along, to absorb everything, every experience, and learn from that, digest it. And I think that sometimes so many people just want to acquire wealth, or they want to, you know, jump up the the corporate ladder without actually realizing what the point of, you know, moving up and progressing and learning really is. So I think that, you know, being able to to take that sort of saying, I suppose, um, life is not a sprint, it's a marathon, and to really translate it into the form of saying, just appreciate your experience. Um, it's a journey and stop, smell those roses and 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 really just take a moment to reflect on everything that's happening within your life because it goes by so quickly, um, you don't need to speed it up so much yourself. It happens, and you'll get there if you're doing the right things along the way. Yeah, one thing after the other. Don't put the cart before the horse, so they say. Exactly, exactly like that. Barbara Mellinson, CEO of Obami. Are there any last thoughts or last words that you'd like to share with our future CEO community before we part company? I think, you know, if anyone's listening in on this, they've already taken that step towards becoming a future CEO. And that's because they're showing an interest beyond what's delegated to them to learn at school or to study or, you know, what the boss has put in their desk to complete that day. So pat yourselves on the back for that. And yeah, just keep, as I say, and it keeps coming up, but immerse yourself and be passionate and, and take those risks. And a little bit of hard work just um, it goes a long way. 
Barbara Mellinson, CEO of Obami, all the way from Cape Town, taking the time out to talk to us away from the office, the hustle and bustle. Thank you very, very much. Everything that you've shared has been fantastic and very insightful. We really appreciate you. Thanks so much, Gareth. It's been it's been a treat and, and yeah, really good to connect and, and thanks so much for really insightful questions. It's always nice to be asked these and, and obviously think about them myself. So thank you for that. If you would like to get in touch with Barbara or Obami, their contact details can be found on the podcast page on our website. I'm Gareth Armstrong. It's been great being with you again. Thanks for joining us today on Future CEOs, and we hope you're feeling inspired and ready to take action. Head over to future-ceos.com for show summaries, recaps, articles, and other resources aimed at fast-tracking your rise to CEO status. To make it even easier for you, simply sign up for our weekly newsletter, and we'll keep you up to date on all interviews, special guest appearances, new developments, and more.